I am an anomaly in some ways. I didn't go through the whole college phase of partying and going out all the time. I was the one working the entire time. Hi, you're listening to That Really Happened, Unbelievable Real Estate Stories. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman. If you're a real estate investor, this is the podcast for you. Our guest speakers will bring you amazing, intriguing, and unbelievable stories about real estate investing. The stories will be an honest and transparent account about what it actually means to invest in real estate. You'll hear stories that investors don't usually share. Stories about hardships, breaking points, painful truths, and surprising realizations. Sometimes there's a happy ending, and sometimes the story ends very differently than you would expect. So let's get the show started. Hi guys, welcome to That Really Happened. I'm Ellie Perlman, your host, broadcasting from sunny California. When I'm not behind the mic, I buy multifamily properties with passive investors who partner with me on my deals. If you enjoy the podcast, please take a minute to rate us. You can find all of our social media links and the show notes on my website, ellieperlman.com. Now, before we get to the show today, I would like to invite you to one of the events that I'm speaking at in Denver this October. So it's called Raising Money Summit. It's going to be October 3rd until the 5th. And it's basically going to teach you everything you need to know about raising capital. So you'll learn the real secrets behind raising millions of dollars. You'll take away tactical strategies so you can go out and close more deals in less time. You'll discover the proven methods professionals use to create win-win deals and partnerships. And you'll be able to stop worrying about how you're going to find your next real estate deal. So it's a really great conference and... You can meet a lot of investors and also syndicators and learn how to raise capital. So if you use the promo code Ellie, you can get 25% off during the month of July. You can go to www.raisingmoneysummit.com to get your ticket. I'll see you there. So today's guest is Melanie Badrovic. I hope I pronounced the last name correctly. And she's, I got to tell you, a phenomenal lady. So Melanie is a serial entrepreneur, a real estate investor, hospitality business owner, and number one international best-selling author, educator, speaker, and a philanthropist. Melanie also sees herself as an unshakable optimist dedicated to helping you live life to the fullest and to your fullest potential. So her story is fascinating. Melanie started bussing tables, serving and bartending, then managing restaurants, working in retail, trying her hand in marketing and public relations positions to starting her own restaurant and bar business and then paved her way to building a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio. Melanie also wrote an international best-selling book called The Wealthy Barmaid and founded a wealth education company. So I would like to welcome to the show, Melanie. Uh, hi, Melanie. How are you? Hi. Thank you so much. I'm great. I'm doing great, Ellie. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. I think your life story is fascinating and phenomenal. And it's a really, really intriguing story of how you basically built your way up. If you can share a little bit of your background and also how you got to where you are today, I think that would be really interesting. Absolutely. So my story is somewhat similar to a lot of immigrant families. 
My family came from the former Yugoslavia in Serbia. And when they came here, they, you know, busted their butts, my grandparents in factories and picking worms at night and all kinds of things, anything they could do to make a living. And then somehow they got into the bar industry. They just stumbled upon an opportunity. My grandfather was in a factory. He had some money to invest. And so he decided, you know what? We're going to try this. We're going to go into the bar business. They knew nothing about it. They didn't know a lick of English. They didn't know how the banking system worked. They, they, they had no clue either way. They, what they did have was a serious work ethic. And I was super lucky. I was practically raised by my grandparents. Um, not that my parents weren't, weren't there for me, not to say that, but what I saw was just a day-to-day basis. They went to work seven days a week, 365. There's no such thing as long weekends or, or normal weekends. Or they'd wake up in the middle of the morning if they get a phone call from security on one of the properties. Like, you got to get up. You got to go. You, there's, there's no options. So that really, I think, instilled something in me from a very young age. And I think I'm very lucky to have witnessed that, especially compared to what's going on out there today. We won't get into that. But my parents kind of did the same thing with me. They got into the bar business as well. After a while, after they got married, my father also worked in factories, but my grandparents were like, you know, this is, you can, we can make money doing this. This is how you do it. And so they learned too. And I started working from the age of 12. I started back in the kitchen. Um, I remember doing my homework, you know, on the, on the chest freezers and just doing whatever I could. I didn't know much how to cook. It probably was not the best plan having me work in the kitchen. But anyway, I did. I did that for many years. And my parents never paid me. It was never a thing. It's just kind of like you work for the family. So work ethic started there. From that point, I started then bussing tables and then I was hostessing. Then that slowly became into serving. Now, at this time is where I started saying, okay, guys, like you're not paying me, no problem. You know, I live under your roof and (laughs) all that kind of stuff. But my mom was like, you know what, why don't I keep your, I'll pay you, but I'm going to keep all your paychecks. So that's what started happening after a while. That started accumulating big time. Then I was accumulating my own tips at the same time. So I'm kind of having like two savings going on, years and years this happened. Then I became bartending. Then I became, you know, manager of the entire operation. I, you know, had 20 staff underneath me. I did a ton of events. I'm huge into marketing, love marketing, love doing events. I did like four events alone paid for my entire university education and I have an MBA. So like I was into this stuff and I I put my heart, soul in it all of it into it. And by the end, you know, like I had a decent amount of savings. So it was really my father who said, I think I was 22 at the time. He's like, okay, you know, got this money. Most people, you can spend this money very easily. Like money is so easy to spend. we're, We're such consumers in North America. So he's like, you know what? I think the best thing that you could possibly do for yourself is, uh, buy a house, invest that house. You don't have to live there. You can rent it out. But I think in real estate, that's all my family knew from, again, coming from the former Yugoslavia, working in bars. The main points were own your own business and own your own real estate. So those are the only two things they knew. That's it. It's, I'm not saying there's some brilliant people out there. <laughs> We've got some special secrets. There isn't. 
So from there, I just, uh, I took my dad's advice, looked at about a, like a hundred properties or so it feels like, finally came across one, got a really good deal on it. It was an estate sale. Unfortunately, the, the mother and father passed away and the kids were trying to get rid of it. So that was my first purchase. I was 22 years old, I, I believe. And again, because of my father and I rented it out for a while and I basically just lived off that and little by little. So moving from there, what happened was I kept working, kept saving money. I even went to Toronto. I tried it out there. No matter what job I was doing retail or I was doing PR, I was doing marketing. I always had a bar job at night. I was always a barmaid. And what happened really with the book part, we can get to that later, but it was while I was in Toronto is where I met a journalist just by chance going to an event. And she thought, man, you have such a cool story. She worked for the, um, the Toronto star and she goes, can I use you for a piece? Like this is really relevant right now. I said, yeah, no problem. Whatever you need, I'll, I'll help you. And I, I sort of, I told her exactly what I just told you. Once this got published in the star, this is where things really shifted. I had thousands and thousands of people reaching out to me from all over the world. We're talking Australia, Turkey, all over Europe, obviously North America, just sort of asking like, what's your secret? How'd you do it? You know, how'd you, how can you take that jump, that leap? And that's what really prompted me to write the wealthy barmaid to write my book because I thought, wow, like people, a, a, first of all, people care. They want to know something about me. I'm modest. I don't, you know, I don't think anybody out there really gives a crap about what I'm doing, but apparently they did. So that's what prompted the whole book. Either way, I worked a ton in, in, in the bars. I saved an, another ton of money. So I bought another house and then I kept working and working. Years went by. And it was finally about time that I said, you know what, I do not want to work for family. I would love to have my own separate thing. I'd love to have my own business. The bar industry is the only thing I knew at the time other than real estate. So I said it was time for me. I was 27 years old at the time. I'm going to buy my own business. I'm going to buy my own bar. And with me, because real estate's so huge and ingrained in me from my family, I would not just lease a place and, and buy a business. I bought the building. So I bought a commercial building back in 2013. I was 27 years old. And that's where I started my, my bar restaurant from that's still thriving today. It, it's it's uh, growing every day. Every year, sales are getting better. So thank God for that. <laughs> but that was the biggest, biggest, biggest shock, uh, biggest, the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. I practically put my life on the line for this venture. And I was able to do it not only with all the money I had saved, but also now I had collateral, right? I had leverage. I had these other two homes that I could base that upon in order to get this mortgage for the commercial property. What gave you the courage at the age of 27 to put all your savings, I'm assuming that was all of your savings, into one building and just go for it? This is a bit unusual for a 27-year-old, right? I guess you're right. I am an anomaly in some ways. I didn't go through the whole college phase of partying and going out all the time. I was the one working the entire time. 
I don't know. Some people, you know, when that when an article came out in the Toronto Star, some people gave me a little bit of slack saying, hey, there's more to life than that and you got to enjoy and you got to, well, whatever. That was my, my path. So I was the one working all those fun nights, the St. Paddy's Day, the New Year's Eve nights. The My goal was let's try to get ahead as quickly as possible. And then now, let's say, you know, I'm 33 years old, I can enjoy now. I mean, I still work my butt off. I still work really hard. I'm still trying to buy more properties. I'm still running a business. I'm still doing all this stuff, but I just, I'm, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years ahead. Had I taken my six years in, in, in college and in school, heck, I was working in high school too, but if I, I don't know, if I didn't save all that money and if I didn't work, it was maybe the Serbian mentality. It made me, made me just, I needed my own real estate. And I, I knew commercial, getting into commercial was going to change the game for me. And it really did. Residential is phenomenal. I love residential. I will never say anything bad about it. I've got plenty of single family detached homes that I rent out because I love that's just my thing. I personally love renting to one family versus, you know, the multi-units. It's very transitional. It's cheaper rent. It's, 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 it's a lot more headache. That's just my choice for now. So I love the residential, but I knew commercial would change the game. So, I mean, just to give you an example, so I bought that at about $550,000, which is kind of nothing for a commercial property. And it's already, it's appraised at $1.2 million. That's less than six years. You know what I mean? Like commercial property in these areas. Okay, you got to know what your, which areas you're in. You got to understand that all the dynamics of what's going on around you. But I knew that commercial would change the game for me. I had to do it. It was just in my mind, in my blood, in my whatever. And I was like, I'm doing this. But I was scared. You have no idea the sleepless nights <laughs> what I went through to bring this business to where it is today. That's a different story. <laughs> were your parents supportive of that move or did they try to warn you that it might be too maybe a little bit bigger than what you can handle? Absolutely nobody in my family wished that upon me. Nobody wanted me to do that. My poor grandparents cried themselves to sleep for many nights thinking like, why are you doing this? You don't need to do this. Why would you do this? Please don't do it. My parents, my father thought I would fail 110%. My mother had no clue. Nobody wanted me to do it. Everybody thought I would fail. Everybody in our family who does have a bar or a business or other things like that, they've, they've done it together with partners or with their spouse. I'm the only one who's ever so far in our family done it completely alone. So yeah, super scared. Everyone was really, really, really scared and advising me, please don't do this. But it was the biggest risk I've ever taken in my life. But I must say, now that I've crossed that threshold of all that fear, of all those sleepless nights, of all that worry, again, it was the best decision of my life. It changed my life forever. That's amazing. And I think it's you know, I have nothing but admiration when I hear you talk about how not only you had the courage to do something that scared you, but you did it in spite of the fact that everyone around you, and these are people that want your bet, what's best for you, they want to protect you. And they say, no, don't do it. So it really takes, I think, certain character to, to keep doing that. And it's, you know, I think... Yeah. 
and I don't know if I can take credit for it. I don't know if it was the way I was raised. I don't know if it's what I saw. You know, I'd already been in the grind. I know what it's like. It's not like most people fantasize thinking, oh, owning a bar or a club's like fun. <laughs> it's not glamorous, let me tell you. So I, I don't know. I can't attribute it to anything specifically. I don't think I'm that special or wonderful. And maybe it was just the way I was raised and brought up and and I did it. Either way, I did it. And I am thankful every day. So Melanie, in your book, you, you talk about seven life strategies for how to achieve success. And specifically, you talk about preservation against all odds. So today, can you share with us one of the, the greatest challenges that you had to overcome um, over the, the past several years? Oh, my God goodness. <laughs> you don't have to stick to one. You can choose a couple of them. Oh man, there's plenty. I mean, number one, I just believe in order to have success, you just have to have some type of unwavering faith in yourself. As soon as you doubt yourself, I mean, you're screwed. I'm sorry. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on your, on your podcast. <laughs> you're good. Uh, okay. So you know, like I did in that moment, mind you, you know, I, I was worried. I was, I was fearful, but for some reason that was to me, that was perseverance. It was like, no matter what, that's your courage speaking. That is your courage within you to say everything I want, everything I desire is on that other side of fear. So you just have to kind of cross that threshold. That's a huge, huge one. Um, keep moving forward. That's a, big one, especially in difficult times. And believe me, I've had them. There's times, my gosh, like for example, summer is my slow season with my business in my hospitality bar restaurant, super slow season. So I have a really difficult time getting through that. Uh, I do whatever it, it takes, but boom, one of my HVAC goes, that's, that's like a $15,000 repair. You know, this year I had an oven. There's $9,000. There's, you know, I had deep fryers. I had all of this in a time when you can't afford it, when things are really tough, really rough. So I don't know what to say other than your perseverance is critical. You just need to figure it out some way, somehow. This is my mentality and it might be a little bit rough for some to handle, so take it with what you will. But I just, I'm one of those where it's like, you need to do what you got to do, no matter what. Nobody's asking me, you know, when I'm, if it's that bad and I got to pull shifts, morning, night, doubles, seven days a week, 360, like nobody's, I'm not asking myself, do I like this? Am I enjoying myself? Am I happy right now? That's not even a question. You got to survive first and foremost you know, and you got to like, you just got to persevere. You got to do what you got to do, no matter what. And you'll make it somehow, some way you're going to make it. So I don't know if I answered your question well enough in terms of what I had to do to persevere or my, my thought process on it, but please ask me in more detail if I did not answer. No, no, that was great. That was great. You know, achieving success, there's so many ways to do that. And I'm, I can really, you know, what you said about believing in yourself. And if you don't believe in what you do and, and believe in your ability to succeed, you're almost, you know, it it's all. Matter. No one yeah. else can believe in you if you don't believe me. And then you're, you're yeah. yeah, 
exactly. There's no way you can succeed. And I think having that immigrant mentality really helps because to some degree, when you just start, I, I don't think you can really see a failure as an option and everything, you know, it's, you're not overthinking things and you're just wired differently. You just do. Yeah. You, go, you get up, you go action, 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 action all day, every day. You just do too many people maybe sit around wondering, thinking, and what's going to make me happy. What's my passion and all that's great. We do need to find enjoyment in life or else what's the point? Absolutely. But I mean, there's a lot of broke people out there. There's a lot of people who come to me for coaching, for my courses, for all that stuff. They don't have two dimes to together. They're so far in debt that they're lost in their path and their life. And it's in those situations where I'm speaking more specifically of, don't even think about it. You just need to do action, 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 and, and just keep going. Get yourself out of that debt. Don't ask yourself in a way like, oh, am I enjoying myself? To, you know, am I happy right now? It's temporary, okay? Usually these moments are temporary where we need to get ourselves out of rut or, or, or figure our stuff out. So yeah, that's my best advice, really. It's the action taking, and, and that's what a lot of people aren't doing. They're doing more thinking than action taking, and that's where I see the problem. One of the questions that I also have is one of your recent blog posts, actually, you were writing about using closing dates strategically to increase cash flow. Can you explain a little bit about what you meant by that? Yeah, there's little things in real estate that a lot of people aren't aware of, and that's normal. We don't learn this in school. There's like zero diplomas for this. There's not a university for it, but tiny little things like this can help you just increase your cash flow. And if you have a portfolio of, of properties, you know, you can have a bit of a cash infusion just by knowing dates. So if the property that you're about to purchase, let's say is currently rented, if you were to pick the fifth day of the month for your closing date, that gives your current owners time to collect the entire rent for the month. So it means that you receive the prorated rent for that month as a discount on your final cash to close statement from your real estate lawyer, right? So that equals just a reduction in the cash to close funds that have to come out of your pocket. So right off the hop, let's say using the fifth of the month when you're buying a place that is already rented helps you out. It's less money on closing. Now, if your property that you're purchasing is vacant, you want to choose the last Thursday of the month. Okay, so you got four to six weeks after your condition removal date. And the key to this is to negotiate. You got to make sure you have right of access prior to closing after all your conditions are removed. And what this allows you to do is, you know, you can start marketing the property. You can start showing tenants through it. You might have work to do on it. That's no problem. But you're going to have four to six weeks to find tenants now. So renters typically move last weekend of the month. So if you took possession on the last Thursday, your new tenants move in as soon as you take possession. So that eliminates any vacancy issues. Do you know what I mean? So it's yeah. just tiny little pieces of information like that that savvy investors use and that information just to make 
more money in this game, right? And, and I wrote in quotes in, in a few places on my website, an investment in knowledge is what pays the best interest. And I truly believe that. Yeah, absolutely right. I think there's so much you don't, there's so much you don't know. And there's so much, I mean, you don't know what you don't know, right? And you got to make sure you come with the right, not only mindset, in my opinion, but also with the right education. And that should basically create your strategy in every, you know, way, every strategy that you take in real estate. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to thank you for being on the show today and sharing your story, Melanie. I think you have an amazing story, very, very inspiring. And I can also see how passionate you are about what you do, which is great. No, I'm so honored. And I just want to say, point out to your viewers, I mean, what you're doing here, I don't know if a lot of people know what it takes to, to create a podcast, to keep it going, like you got what it takes too. And I just want to, you know, take my hat off to you as well. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate it. Well, Melanie, if our listeners would like to reach out to you, where can they find you? Absolutely. So I've got a website. You can find me at melaniebadrovic.com. Or if you type in thewealthybarmaid.com, you'll reach the same place. I'm on Facebook again, The Wealthy Barmaid. I'm on Twitter, The Wealthy Barmaid. Instagram, The Wealthy Barmaid. Anything like that, Google me. I'm everywhere. Perfect. Thank you so much, Melanie. Again, thank you for sharing your story and keep doing great things. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Ellie. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.